home goods are getting harder to find in retail stores. It's apparently easier and more profitable for stores to stock up on clothes than pots and pans. Even outlets known for their cooking and dining supplies like Bed Bath & Beyond have been closing stores in the aftermath of the pandemic. So some home cooks have turned to the internet But there is another alternative, probably right in your neighborhood. In the last few years, restaurant supply stores have reported anywhere from a 20 to 40 percent increase in business from home cooks. While these kinds of stores have traditionally been geared towards the restaurant industry, many home cooks are finding professional quality equipment there, sometimes at lower prices than the cookware offered in retail home goods stores. If only, though, these restaurant supply stores didn't look so intimidating. So here now, with a guide to getting to know your restaurant supply store, is Mark Schmidt. He's the corporate chef for Trust Restaurant Group, which operates a number of restaurants and butcher shops across San Diego. Chef Mark, hello. Hey, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks for being here. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. I know you're an avid shopper at restaurant supply stores. Why do you think home cooks might consider shopping there? You know, I think that there's a lot of positive things that come to restaurant supply stores when it when it would benefit home cooks. I think the first and foremost piece is quality of product that you would receive at a restaurant supply store. A lot of things that are made for Bed Bath & Beyond and, you know, some of those other more higher end like Sir Latav and Williams and Sonoma, they're really great products, but they're not necessarily the most feasible for longevity and, and use, right? I think that there's a good opportunity for consumers to go into restaurant supply store and not only just shop around, and I understand that it could definitely be intimidating. However, the biggest piece for me is that you'll get good customer service and then really great products at a potentially reduced rate. Yeah. How different is it shopping at a restaurant supply store than shopping at a regular retail home store? You know, I think that it's it's 
very different in regards to what you're looking for. Um, if you go in with no thought in mind on what you want to look for, it will definitely be intimidating, overwhelming, and you'll find a lot of things that might not necessarily be what you're looking for and probably something you have no idea what it even does. <laughs> However, there is a lot of small, fun knickknacks, and I like to use spatulas and whisks as a, a great primary examples because it's very easy to buy you know, an inexpensive wooden handle whisk from any other store. However, you go to a, a restaurant supply store, you'll pay a few dollars, probably a few dollars cheaper than you would at it said Bed Bath & Beyond, and you'll have a really great product that'll last most likely forever. Is there anyone there that could help someone who comes in and is confused about what they're seeing? Absolutely. The in San Diego specifically, Chef's Toys, uh, San Diego Restaurant Supplies down in San, in downtown. They're just really great customer service. Obviously, they gear towards restaurant people, and restaurant people are all hospitality driven. So I think that they they kind of breathe that as well. Where again, if you if you come in with a game plan and say, okay, I need this essential, this essential, and this, I'm redoing my kitchen, or I'm trying to create some new recipes that might not have these tools, um, they'll be able to give you good guidance and support on you know what size of spatula do you need is do you need a metal whisk do you need a plastic whisk you know and then they'll they'll really gear you towards that and you don't necessarily have to buy two to three of those you know the restaurant supply stores in san diego specifically or everything is broken down to an individual purchase so if i'm going to a restaurant supply store what would you recommend i buy there and what would you suggest i go elsewhere for you know, I think I think restaurant supply stores do really well with smallwares and cookware. You know, when I say smallwares, I'm talking spatulas, whisks, pallet knives, which is something that's used a lot in like baking and, and making cakes and things like that. Turntables, pastry, utensils. You could obviously also get saute pans, nonstick pans, uh, Teflon pans, brazing pans. Those are all great there as well. But I, I, I do think that certain braising pans and things like that from restaurant supply store aren't necessarily the most attractive, which I know a lot of people when they're buying for home decor, it is very much decor as well as it's something that needs to be feasible because it's, you know, a, a Le Creuset Dutch oven that's sitting on top of their, their tabletop, you know, when they're not using it and it's very much a part of the kitchen. So if you're looking to go into that like decor side of it, but also being feasible, the restaurant supply might not necessarily be that thing, but sheet trays, any type of grilling equipment. If you have a grill and you're like, I, I can't find a really good brush to clean my grill grates because, you know, the, the local Ace or, or wherever might not necessarily have the right one, restaurant supply stores would 100% be able to accommodate that. And don't these stores also offer you know, super sizes like in syrups and condiments. And is that a good buy for the average home cook? You know, I think that the super size thing is going to be pertinent on your 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 lifestyle and your family, um, how often you cook at home, what is your storage like in your fridge and dry storage. Uh, and it's like if you're to go to a Smart and Final or a Restaurant Depot or even Costco for that matter, you know, you're thinking weeks out on how to organize your your meal plan. And a lot of times there creates a little bit of waste from that because you're buying things in such bulk. And if you don't organize it from the beginning before purchase, then you'll typically over prep, over make products, and then you won't eat it over a period of time. So it, then it will it go bad. So my thing with buying things in bulk is if you have the right storage, which my wife and I both are avid cooks at home, and we swear by stasher bags. I think they're one of the best, most organized home cook use for storage specifically. And when we buy things, we break it down into small pack sizes because it's just two of us in our house. And then we'll freeze certain things and then we'll keep other things out for us to be able to eat in a day or two. 
Now, you already mentioned one, but maybe you could tell us a little bit more about what are some of the best restaurant supply stores that you'd recommend people check out? So um, if you're up in the Claremont Mesa area, the, the best the best store is Chef's Toys. They have a lot of Asian Hispanic uh, rice cookers and, and, you know, a lot of unique sushi mats and things that are very somewhat specific to Japanese Asian Thai cuisine. But they do also have a ton of additional stuff like knives and mixers and bowls and things like that. Um, and then San Diego Restaurant Supply Store downtown. It's a massive store. It's it's really an awesome place to walk into. You'll be greeted by someone right away and they'll say, can I help you? And, you know, I'm here for a metal bowl. Okay, well, what type of metal bowl would you like? Are you cooking with it? Or are you not cooking with it? Those are questions that you'll generally get when you get, walk in the door. Do you need to join a club or anything to shop at a restaurant supply store? You do not, no. And you actually get a you get a restaurant supply store rate, if you will, just walking off the street. Okay, so there's so much marketing out there when it comes to big brand name cookware and expensive new gadgets. What would you encourage the home cook to do when we go in there and we're looking for pots and pans and the like? I think the biggest piece when you're talking about branding and you're talking about names specific to cookware, you, you want to go with things that you're are familiar to you, you know, more often than not your, your feed, whether it's Instagram or Facebook or whatnot, will if you're, if say you Google search Lake Rousset, um, you know, your feed will start to fill up with all the, all these different offshoot brands and whatnot. But if you want a Lake Rousset, then you, you, you should probably get a Lake Rousset or um, another really great brand that's coming out that they're marketing is awesome. It's called Made In. They're definitely geared towards the home cook, but it's restaurant grade quality pots and pans. We actually use them at all of our restaurants as well. And they're really quite affordable. I also look at affordability versus quality when you're buying pots and pans because they're definitely not cheap. You know, if you want to redo all of your pots and pans for the house, you're talking about a thousand dollars worth of purchases. And to to do that and to feel that within a year or two, they're starting to either deteriorate or they're rusting or one of the handles get loose, you know, you just really lose that value aspect of it, right? So I think that going with brand name specific, Lake Rousset, Stobe, um, Maiden is another brand new in the last few years. Those those brand names are going to be really important as opposed to off brands. Now, if you're looking for something to go camping and you aren't trying to necessarily take care of it or need to have it for an extended period of time, sure, buy a $20 saute pan. But it's not something that I would recommend because then you're just going to keep buying $20 saute pans. You mentioned that some of these items, uh, the brand names, are restaurant-grade quality. What makes a pot or a pan or some sort of kitchen equipment restaurant-grade? So when you look at a sauté pan specifically, a lot of sauté pans um, that you'll find in said Bed Bath & Beyond or Williams & Sonoma and some of these other ones, the handles are typically plastic and or rubber. Therefore, they're not meant to go inside the oven. They're also uh, not meant to sustain high heat. A lot of those types of pans typically are a little bit more inexpensive and it'll it'll you'll be able to tell from either the logo or sticker or how it's built whether or not it's a restaurant grade. There's not like a sticker that says this is restaurant grade product, but you'll be able to tell just by picking up the saute pan and feeling the heaviness of it and and the, the finish is going to be really important as well. I'm talking about shopping at restaurant supply stores with Mark Schmidt, corporate chef for Trust Restaurant Group. And I'm curious, as both a professional chef and a home cook, what are the biggest differences between cooking for, let's say, two or 300 people a night versus just cooking for yourself and your wife? 
I like to look at simplicity, the KISS method, keep it simple, stupid at home. And one pot wonders are kind of the best way that I like to cook because after a 14 hour day, last thing I want to do is do a whole bunch of dishes. So my Dutch oven or my cast iron are kind of two of my best friends. Uh, we like to do braised chicken thighs with like rice and tomato all inside the one dish. We also like to prep out, you know, certain rices or pastas or grains kind of at the beginning of the week and in the middle of the week that I can use for various meals, whether it's lunch on the go in one of the restaurants that I'm at, or if it's just I'm eating in my car as I'm traveling to a restaurant and then coming home again, having something easily to be able to pick up, whether it's just grilling a piece of protein from one of our butcher shops or cooking a piece of fish in the oven. You know, to that point, your job requires you to essentially manage an entire professional kitchen. I'm wondering, is there any crossover in how you set up a professional outfit and how you should set up your own home kitchen? Absolutely. Again, it kind of goes a little bit to how you want your kitchen to look. If you walk in my kitchen at my house with my wife and I, we we have, you know, all of our spices are outlined and are right there, ready, readily available for us. We have our cookware on the stovetop just because we're using it so frequently. I think that a couple of the biggest things that, you know, when you're organizing your dry storage and whatnot, a lot of things that people use in restaurants are a little bit more bulk, like using Cambro as an example, which is a, a brand name specific restaurant grade storage container. Um, they're not really attractive at all. And, mm-hmm. you know, they're, they're not something that I would ever really want to put on my counter. However, we find other brands like Stasher Bags, for example, that is sleek and does have this nice look to it, but does keep everything really confined and organized. You know, it seems like everybody became a home cook during the pandemic, whether they wanted to or not. Do you think think that that has made more people aware and intentional about what they cook for themselves? I do. And I think that it's a I think it's a good thing, good and bad, because I'd rather have people go eat at our restaurants. Um, (laughs) But I do think that. The, the good thing is, is that it makes people a little bit more aware of what they're consuming. And then when they come in, and I, I really do hate to use the term foodie, but they feel that they're more in tune with what they're eating and what they're ordering. And it makes the conversation a little bit more fluid with the server or bartender, whoever they're communicating with in the restaurant, as well as it makes them know what their likes and dislikes are. You know, there's a lot of people that during during pandemic, they're cooking at home more and they're like going again to our local butcher shop and trying a new cut like the bacon shop or trying a new cut, a new cut that they've never had such as our Denver steak that is unique to us. And we like to talk about it because yes, you can sell a filet anywhere, but we want to be able to educate you on different cuts that are equally as delicious and probably not as expensive. And it creates more of a conversational piece. And I think people are more open to that conversation now post COVID than before when you tried to talk, sell some them to something else. Listen, I'm not selling you a car. I'm just trying to give you a different option for a grilling meat. <laughs> you know, So it's, it's easier for, to, for that conversation to be had. You know, I just want to follow up on what you said. Are you concerned that fewer people are eating in restaurants and and instead cooking at home? No, not it's not a concern. I I just the selfish business owner and myself would always <laughs> love to have people come and eat at our bar or restaurants. Okay, well, I've been speaking with Mark Schmidt. He's the corporate chef for Trust Restaurant Group. We're talking about the rise of restaurant supply stores and how the home cook can make the most of them. And when we return, we'll talk more about butcher's cuts and different cuts of meat. And we'll talk about zero waste cooking and making the most out of your meals. Stay with us. We'd love to hear your thoughts about shopping at restaurant supply stores. Give us a call at 619-452-0228 and leave a message 
or you can email us at midday at kpbs.org. Coming up, getting adventurous with unusual cuts of meat. And then they come back and say, that was incredible. I overcooked it or undercooked it or whatever, but I still had a great time. What's next? You're listening to KPBS Midday Edition. Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com. This is KPBS Midday Edition. I'm Maureen Kavanaugh. We've been speaking with Chef Mark Schmidt about the increasing popularity of restaurant supply stores for the home cook, and he's sticking around to share some of his insights on zero-waste cooking and making the most out of meals. And Chef Mark, welcome back. Thank you for having me. So, zero-waste is an increasingly popular concept, but how realistic is that, uh, both at home and in a professional kitchen? I think the the term zero waste is is very important to anyone that pays attention to the overall perspective of life and growth and farming. Um, there's there's unfortunately always going to be some form of waste, um, you know, whether it's something that's inedible because it grows in the ground and there's a skin on the outside of it. However, there is another way that you can look at certain things. Um, but I do think that the zero waste thought process is important for people because you're understanding that there is a farmer that spends his life growing this vegetable and then they're trying to make a, a ends meet and a living off of growing this said vegetable that you're now consuming. So it does make people a little bit more aware and it's a good thing to have for sure. I want you to talk a little bit more about what you mentioned earlier in the hour and that is how you and your wife actually save food and and so it it can be kept you can buy in bulk and it doesn't go bad it it's hard to offload let's say a five pound bag of costco brussels sprouts before they go bad so buying in bulk to save money or save the planet sometimes doesn't make any sense so what do you recommend Yes, I think you just have to have a, a good mindset on how you want to plan and organize your week. If you're, I, I agree with the the purchasing in bulk is not necessarily always the best because if you're just going to buy this, spend the same amount of money on five pounds versus two pounds, but you're going to throw a pound or two of it away, it's kind of, it, it's a devil's advocate, if you will. So I think that if you are going shopping and you're organizing your work week, you're looking at how many meals you're making for yourself and your family and you have the appropriate bags or storage containers to be able to keep them so that way they don't get freezer burned and they keep the liquid inside of them and allowing you to rapidly build a dish based on how you kind of organize your week. Um, it definitely creates a lot of organization and lists from the beginning of before going into the grocery store 
Um, the thing that we like to do personally is I like to make grains specifically because grains always have a, a really good shelf life. When I say grains, I'm talking rice, brown rice, uh, different pastas, couscous, um, you know, things that are, are I can just boil with water and keep them in the fridge for up to five to seven days and use them in various applications. Rice is a great one because you can take a steamed jasmine rice and you can add soy sauce to it and throw some chicken thighs on top and there's your lunch. You can take the rice and you can put it into a braise and and create a a really good element of protein with that. Um, And the, the piece with the zero waste is on how do we, me personally, most of my lunches are if I didn't eat it the night before I'm putting it in the fridge in a sasher bag and I'm eating it for lunch the next day on the go. That's how I personally like to use that. However, it's also important where if you're cutting something off and you um, might not necessarily want to go the route of compost, which composting is not for everybody because it creates a smell. There's, you have to have a lot more things involved in it than just holding on to, to produce that's potentially going bad. Um, but if you wanted to keep certain produce, you can put them in stocks and then you can freeze the stock and then you can have that to be able to make rice down the road. You can also create dog food, which my wife and I have two dogs and we cook a lot, um, a lot of meals for them at home. There are obviously certain things that dogs can't eat, but there are a lot of things that dogs can eat that are actually really good for them. And brown rice is one, uh, chicken is another we take all of the scraps of salmon and any like cartilage, if you will, from chicken thighs or chicken breasts. And that all gets fed to our dogs as well. And they love it. It's like a nice little treat. Um, and, and then looking at any grinds, you know, if we're, we're buying a whole protein, whether it's a a pork belly or a, uh, beef chuck that we want to grind into it, we'll take that and we'll grind a three pound piece and separate it up into one pound packages. And maybe one pack is going to be for burgers. The next day is going to be for bolognese. The following day we'll have that for meatballs. Um, you know, and we, it gives us options and allows us to be able to create on the fly without having to go to the grocery store every day. I'd like you to talk a little bit more about these storage bags and containers that you use because you've been using terms that are unfamiliar to me. What is it? A stasher bag? Stasher bag. Yeah, they they became really popular um, at the beginning of 2020. Maybe uh, they were they've been around for a few years before that, but they, they they really put some money behind their marketing. It's a refrigerator, freezer, microwave, and dishwashable bag. It's it's a reusable Ziploc bag. So we don't use any single use bags whatsoever in our in our house. Um, stasher bags are the way that we organize and, and hold all of our produce and all of our vegetables as well as proteins. So it can basically go anywhere, this bag. You don't even have to take uh, the material out of the bag. You can just microwave it in the bag? That is correct, yes. Wow. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. Now, can, and, they come all... in, and they come in all shapes and sizes as well. So that's we, you know, that you could buy the individual packs or you can buy, you know, they have bulk pack where you can get, you know, up to two gallon size bags. And the thing, the best thing is, is that they're, they're, they work great. You put them right in the dishwasher and they're, they're clean and safe and easy to reuse. How about when you're trying to stretch a dollar, as so many people are these days? What about, you know, like cheap filling meals that can either feed a, a large family or maybe just yourself for a week straight? What do you, what do you go to? Yeah, I mean, I think the the rice rice is definitely in three out of seven meals of our week um, because it is 
incredibly inexpensive and it's also just really great flavor if they're made right and then for me personally like boneless skinless chicken thighs marinated in teriyaki or any type of sweet chili sauce also at our butcher shop um they're easy to do you just throw throw it on the grill with some grilled asparagus and rice it's an incredible inexpensive meal that you can feed a, a family for under 50 dollars I'm speaking with Mark Schmidt, corporate chef for Trust Restaurant Group, and we're talking about restaurant supply stores and zero waste. I know restaurants are, of course, one component of Trust Restaurant Group, but when we're talking about zero waste cooking, it's impossible not to mention the role butcher shops play in that conversation. Can you talk a bit about how wastefulness is really the enemy of a good butcher? Butcher shops intimidate a lot of people. Um, First and foremost, you don't see them around very often, and that's definitely on our mission statement, our restaurant group, to make butcher shops feel more comfortable and approachable to the average consumer. Um, in regards to the blissfulness of a butcher shop and what we have to offer is really important and on the forefront for us because we want people to feel comfortable going in and asking all sorts of questions and not maybe knowing what they want or have any idea how to get it. But they have a recipe that their great grandmother used to make for them years and years ago. And they can come in and say, I'm making beef burger young. I have no idea what I need to do. And it's our responsibility and our mission statement to be able to help make it easier for you to guide you through on a cooking technique that you've probably never done before using a different cut of meat that you might not have used before and really giving you that full experience. Yeah, the concept of nose to tail cooking is something that's risen in popularity over the past several years. And just to explain that, this is the idea of eating not just the well-known cuts, like say a pork chop or a strip steak, but venturing out into some stranger choices like pig trotters or liver. And I got to tell you, Mark, you don't have to be a vegetarian to get the shivers about eating some of those internal organs. So how do you get over that? You know, I think that the a lot of the additional pieces that or organ meat or flat meat, um, trotters, etc., are it's all based on how you want to cook it. And if you have it once, if you eat liver once the wrong way, you probably will never eat it again. However, it's really easy to eat and it, it's really actually great for you as well. Um, so I think the the big piece for us is to simplify the methods on how you would produce it at home. So that way you can have a good experience. We do carry a lot of those off pieces that you probably would never order. But we also have things that are similar with a twist. And I'll use our bacon chop as a prime example. Everyone's had a pork chop. Everyone's had a bone in pork chop at some point. We, however, have this, this, this cut called the bacon chop. It's a little over a pound. It's a long bone, like you would think a beef tomahawk, and it still has the belly intact to it. So you're getting technically the belly and the loin. You don't see those anywhere. It's not something that's familiar to a lot of people. It's definitely never seen in the Lazy Acres, Fawns, or Sprouts. Um, and it it's just enough venturous for the home cook to to try that. And then they come back and say, that was incredible. I overcooked it or undercooked it or whatever, but I still had a great time. What's next? You know, it, it kind of opens the door for us to be able to get their trust because we've talked to them about how to cook it and how we would suggest seasoning it and making sure that you rest the meat before it goes into under your cutting board or into the plate. Um, and it, it makes them feel comfortable that they're willing to then try something like a uh, beef shank, for example, that's a, this massive three to four pound piece that no one knows wants to cook it because they either don't have the right equipment to do so, or they're just intimidated by it itself. Um, but we're working them towards that direction. 
And the nose-to-tail movement is not just uh, something to get people interested in eating other kinds of meats. It's actually an environmental uh, concern to actually use every single piece of the animal uh, so that nothing goes to waste. Isn't that right? It's 100% accurate. I think the, the biggest piece for a lot of people to understand, and you mentioned it in the, one of the first sentences in the second segment, was that you know everyone eats New York strips and pork chops, right? Every animal has two muscles, two of the same muscle on it. So if, if every consumer is ordering fillets, ribeyes, and New York strips, where do the tri-tips go? Where is the top sirloin? Where's the picanha? Where's the chuck? Where's the shoulder? Where's the belly? Where's the flat? Who's ordering that? Where is it going, right? Is it going in the trash? Is it going in, the, in to someone as a donation because it's not being moved? But in order to get those primal cuts, we have to be able to source and find ways to move the other items. And uh, as people find um, more lesser known cuts and they become familiar with them, unfortunately, in some cases, this better awareness hits people with sticker shock. I think of flank steak, for example, that's been considered a butcher's cut. Now it commands a premium price. What happened? So a lot of it comes from the farmer and the butchers. Um, so they're, they look at the market and you know, I'll use wintertime for a prime example um ribeyes and fillets skyrocket in november december january and then they drop back down um the beginning of february march april and the reason why is because those are the holiday times and that's when everyone wants big uh prime ribs and they want roasted chateaubriand or a whole roasted tenderloin for their family so they're literally playing the market and then you look at like a flank steak or a skirt steak Things that, like you said, used to be the, some of the cheapest cuts that are still some of my favorite personally. Skirt steak definitely one of my all-time favorite cuts in the cow. Um, the butchers are now seeing that it's a moving commodity and that they're they're able to sell it to people at a higher cost. So they're playing the market and they're being able to get it, you know, get the dollar because a lot of people are now excited to want to try it. They once try it, they don't want to order a fillet ever again because they had a flank steak that was just incredible. It's like becoming the the unknown, and now that it's known, it worked against us on the financial standpoint. Okay, well, in the spirit of what we've been discussing, we're coming up on Cinco de Mayo. What would be a different take on Mexican food for that celebration? So a lot of a lot of people think gear Mexican food as tacos, right? And I think that there's there's a, a lot of good different various applications to go outside of tacos and just necessarily you know uh braised carnitas if you will and having a spread the cinco de mayo is you know they're the latin community definitely helped create the flat meat as a popularity item um you know because a lot of skirt steak flank steak bavettes those cuts are all in hispanic cuisine a lot so you know what i would suggest and I, what I like to do is I'm I'm a grill guy, so I was just getting five or six different skews of meat and a couple of different sausages, and literally just grilling a bunch of vegetables, putting all the sausages and the meats on a, on a board cut, and just grazing. That's the way that I like to host. That's the way that I like to eat personally. Um, obviously, having pickles and sauces and whatnot, chips and fresh tortilla chips from Pancho Villa, um, those are all definitely things that I would have on my table. Sounds delicious. <laughs> I want to thank you, Mark. You spent a lot of time with us. Mark Schmidt is corporate chef for Trust Restaurant Group. Thank you so much for all your advice about shopping and eating. My pleasure. Thank you for your time. 
Hi, I'm Bill Hohen. And I'm Ted Hohen. Over the past 50 years, our family has brought many world-class dealerships to Carlsbad, including Mercedes-Benz, Porsche, Audi, Honda, Acura, Jaguar, and Land Rover. That's right. This year, we're celebrating 50 years in Carlsbad. So on behalf of the entire Hohen family, we want to thank San Diego. Throughout the years, we've taken tremendous pride in meeting and even exceeding our customers' automotive needs. We value the relationships with our clients and look forward to serving you for years to come. We invite you to visit one of the Hohen Carlsbad dealerships or hohenmotors.com.